Hi, everyone. Welcome to Face to Face, a UC Davis podcast featuring students, staff, and faculty innovators. I'm your host, Chancellor Gary May. Stay tuned for my next guest. Hello, I'm Renetta Garrison Tull, and I'm the Vice Chancellor for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. I came to UC Davis from the East Coast on the cusp of the pandemic, and I'm finally having a chance to fully see and experience UC Davis and the state of California. I've traveled all over the world, all continents but one, and I am passionate about fostering inclusion through connections and honoring rich cultural values globally to increase understanding, appreciation, and success for all in our community. Welcome to Face to Face, Renetta. Oh, thank you, Chancellor May. Thanks happy for, to be here. Thanks for joining us. We're happy to have you. I'm glad you were able to come and talk, especially during this period of time, for two reasons. One, um, this is Black History Month, mm-hmm. and two, uh, we're coming up on Principles of Community Week, mm-hmm. which I know you're heavily involved in. This is a time we reflect and celebrate uh, our collective values as a university. Um, so I guess my first question is, beyond what we do this week and this month, how can we turn those values into actions on a regular basis at UC Davis for to improve equity for all? Okay. Um, well, first of all, I'm, I'm very happy to be here. And then with regard to um, principles of community, you know, our Office of Campus Community Relations really helped to set the stage for um, that programming. And we have people who are doing things here on Davis and at Sacramento. Um, I, I think that a key thing related to principles of community is to remember that um, these Principles are not things that are just aspirational, although the statement itself seems that way. There are policies that are connected to it, and so there are consequences for violating such policies. And I think sometimes people don't remember that. So when we talk about um, issues related to discrimination or when we talk about um, rejecting violence on all forms, those are things that are not just things that are sort of out in the ether, but they're things that we really should hold on to. And I really want to make sure that our community is united around that and that they are holding on to the principles knowing that um, there's there's something behind it and it's not just something that we put out there as a campus. Yeah, it's important for accountability to make sure that there's there's a backbone behind the principles. I agree. Absolutely. Um, I also just mentioned that this this is Black History Month and um, I think the audience will be curious about any programming or activities or efforts in your office uh, that we uh, center around improving the quality of the experience of our African-American students and staff and faculty. Yes, so we have a um, a newer initiative called Aggie Black Excellence, and it's addressing anti-blackness. Um, but the key to Aggie Black Excellence is that it connects and partners with a lot of the other initiatives on campus. So we have um, our Retention Center, our Center for um, African Diaspora and Student Success, for example, and there's the African Continuum. There are a number of different kinds of programs that are happening not only in the month of February, but throughout the year. 
here. Um, the center provides counseling services and career services and those kinds of things. And so our office really tries to uplift those kinds of activities. We try to amplify the activities that are happening for students. And we also serve as um, sort of a welcoming for students who often come on campus. So I think one of the nicest things that happened recently is one of our colleagues from the library um, happened to see a group of black students who were on campus with their um, high school leader. And so she said, oh, well, let me take you over to the DEI office, brought them over to the office. We were able to give them some snacks and some swag and just say, welcome to campus. We want to see you here. So we, we try to be that for people in the community. I love to hear that. Representation is so important. And the fact that uh, that particular individual could see themselves represented through the efforts of your office is just really outstanding. Yeah. Um, Speaking of black history, uh, you and I have a history. Uh, <laughs> we're both STEM professionals. Yes. Uh, most people don't know about our, our history. Can you tell people about when we met or when you first met me, maybe is a better, <laughs> better way to say it, because I didn't even know about it. So, Right. So um, I think, Chancellor, as many people know, you are an icon um, for many of us who are black in engineering. Um, I went to Howard University as an undergrad, and as an undergraduate student, I went to my first conference for the National Society of Black engineers when I was a, a first-year student as an undergrad. And I remember going to the national conference and seeing you on stage as an officer in that organization. And I think you were um, doing your PhD at the time or finishing. And it was that idea that, wow, there are black folks who go and get their PhDs in engineering. That was the first time that I had seen that. And so you talk about representation. It really helped to launch for me and many, many others um, that notion that we could move forward, we could go on and get master's degrees and PhD degrees, and we could do things in engineering and other STEM fields, and it made us want to do that thing for others. So I can take a little credit for you going to get your PhD <laughs> as well, because first impressions matter, right? They certainly do. <laughs> so so I'm, really, I'm really happy do. the way it worked out. Yeah. Um, and uh, as a STEM professional... Um, how do you think UC Davis is doing in that area with regard to diversity in, in STEM? And are there things that we can do differently in the future or better? Can we improve? So we can always improve. Mm -hmm. um, one of my, my former mentors would always quote um, a, a person, I think it was Aristotle, would say success is never final. And so um, there are always things that we can continue to do. Among those, I do think that we can continue to take advantage of some of the things that the UC has um, related to HBCU funding um, to bring students from HBCUs to campus, to bring students from HSIs or Hispanic serving institutions to campus to make sure that more students from Native backgrounds, for example, are involved in STEM and supporting their participation in some of the national organizations. We mentioned NSBE as an example, but there's also um, SHIP, the Society for Hispanic Professional Engineers. We do take a lot of students to the SOCNIS Conference, the Society for Advancement of Chicanos and Native Americans in STEM and promoting their um, professional development. So doing more of that, I believe that those kinds of experiences also help with retention and then making sure that every student is recognized for the brilliance and the contributions that they're going to make, no matter what their background is. Absolutely. That, that's our goal, for sure. And I'm happy to see what, what your office and your efforts are, are doing to promote that. Um, so, so many years after that first encounter, when you were a freshman at Howard, uh, you came to UC Davis, 2019 in particular, in the yes. middle of the pandemic, yes. as your intro stated. Um, you became our first vice chancellor for diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, I created the position in the office. Um, mm -hmm. 
So as you've navigated this new position over these past three or four years, um, what advice would you share uh, with the audience uh, or with other diversity leaders about that experience and what higher ed needs to do in this space? So you know what's interesting about that? People often ask me if I had known that this would be the cusp of the pandemic, um, the whole situation with the horrific murder of George Floyd, all the different things that we've been dealing with, would I still have come to be part of of the enterprise? And I, I tell them if I was going to do it anywhere, I'm so glad that I'm here doing it at UC Davis because I do believe that we're doing a lot. We have the support that, that we need to, to move forward to, to work on these things. But in terms of um, things that I would share for my colleagues and things that I do share with my colleagues, um, now that I'm also working with our colleagues across the UC um, with all 10 of the institutions, um, you have to have a good and strong staff. Our staff in DEI is fantastic because they are experts, they are professionals, um, they are really good at their jobs, and now we're just making sure that everybody gets a chance to connect to and, and, and sort of um, share what each other is doing. Um, but having a strong staff is really crucial to getting a vision across, to making sure that everyone is on the same page, um, to making sure that when people need to be autonomous, that they're able to do so and get things done and move priorities forward, that they're able to be team players, and sometimes that balance has to shift. Um, but I think the other thing is that this work is really hard, and people in this position, the half-life for a person who does DEI work can often be very short, two to three years, um, and people often contemplate from week to week, am I still going to do this? And so I think you need a very strong support system, um, a support system that is sort of within the work. I'm very lucky to, to have that, um, not only in my office, which helps to support me, but also um, in the UC. But also outside of that, you know, um, family, friends, community, and having that support is very, very important. Many times, many of us in these positions are also part of affected communities or historically marginalized communities. Um, so when things happen, they affect us as well. And we have to learn how to be resilient. We have to learn how to continue to move forward in the face of crises. And um, we need something to fall back on. And for me, I'm, I'm glad that I, at least I still have virtual church to also help on Sundays. So, so that definitely helps in, in, my, in my case. I second all of that. The support system is so important uh, in these jobs, and, and people don't realize how challenging they can be. And, you know, teamwork makes the dream work. So the staff piece is also critical. And speaking of dreams, um, if you were to think about what DEI looks like in the future at UC Davis and elsewhere, what, what's your dream situation for, for diversity, equity, and inclusion? Yeah. So... You know, we, we have the things that are formalized. So you have the Tiboldly Go um, strategic plan and goal three, which talks about diversity. And then within that, we have the diversity and inclusion strategic vision where we're talking about students, faculty, staff, um, making sure that we're recruiting and identifying and attracting folks from, from different backgrounds, that we have a good climate that's going to um, promote the things that they want to do working with neighboring communities and having accountability, which is something that you mentioned before. Um, when I first came, I said, I want people to get what they came for, which is a very simple message, right? I want students 
to come and if they are coming for their undergraduate degree or graduate degree or people coming for a certificate, that they leave with whatever their goal was. They leave with that degree. For staff who are coming to not only lend their talents, but also to have mobility to provide for their families, I want them to have that in a way that is free of of barriers. And um, for the faculty who are coming to not only sort of profess in their discipline or, or teach in their discipline to share their research. I want them to be able to do that um, and, and sort of have the freedom to do that. And I, I will say something else about this because there's a little story behind it. Um, years ago, I went to a talk by a, a noble, Nobel Prize winner and, and listening to him, he talked about skiing in the Alps and having these great ideas when he's skiing with his family and, and, and sitting there in the audience, it just made me think, wow, I wish I could, you know, ski in the Alps and have great ideas. And I'm sure other people do as well. And while many people can't afford to have that kind of opportunity, I hope that the campus can provide um, opportunities for ideas to flow and places where people don't have to worry about imposter syndrome, where they wonder if they belong, where they'll know that they belong. Um, a place where they don't have to worry about stereotype threat, which means that you know people may not perform as well because they perceive that they're thought of as less than. And so we wanna make sure that our environments are um, showing people that they belong, that we want them here, that they're welcome, that we know that they are brilliant, that they have contributions to make. And so if everybody can have that way of thinking, and if everyone can just remember that everyone does deserves to be here and deserves to have all of the resources and benefits of the university, then that would be my ideal. You know, I'm just sitting here thinking how much our, our mutual visions align, so I'm, I'm very comforted by that, by listening <laughs> well, to you Well, you're my boss, well, so yeah, I, that, I guess that works out. That helps, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to lighten it up a little bit. I'm going to okay. do some, We have a feature that we do in Face to Face. We call yeah. it the hot seat. Oh, my. And uh, it's not as bad as it sounds. Okay. All it means is I'm going to ask you some very uh, short, rapid-fire questions, and we're looking for a one-word or one-sentence answer. Ah, okay. okay. So you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. Uh, what is your signature dish that you cook? Pancakes. Pancakes, okay. Uh, East Coast or West Coast? Now, be careful. <laughs> <laughs> All of my family's on the East Coast, with the exception of my husband, who works here. So I, I still have to say East Coast. And plus... Um, you know, the Eagles are in the Super Bowl this year, and I'm from Philly, so I got to go East Coast right now. Uh, as a 49er fan, I don't support that <laughs> message. Uh, uh, favorite travel destination? You've been all over the world. I have been all over the world. I cried when I was on the plane touching down in Africa for the first time in South Africa. And so um, I, I just remember that experience. So I'll, I'll leave it there for now. I had a similar, when I first went to Africa, similar kind of mm -hmm. emotional uh, experience. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, in an alternate universe, what job would you be doing other than the one you're doing now? Uh, interestingly enough, I think that I would be either a talk show host or I would run a bed and breakfast. Pancakes, <laughs> talking, right? All of those things all fit together for me. Travel. You're trying to take my job here. <laughs> um, I ask all the guests this question. Okay. What is at the top of your playlist right now? Oh. So there was a um, 
a song, and I don't know how you pronounce it, but it was the song that um, won the Grammy for um, Best Song in Social Change. And I listened to it this morning, and they talk about women life freedom and the situation in Iran. And um, although I don't understand all of the words, um, I did look at the translation, and so that was the one that I listened to this morning. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. I have to look that one up. Yes. Um, now it's your turn. You get to ask me a question. Yeah. Ask me anything. Okay, so the first question, Chancellor May, that I'd like to ask you um, is, is sort of along the same line of keeping it light, I guess. So you are the chancellor of a very large university, um, and I know you're very serious about your work, and, and because we're in meetings, sometimes you're in meetings on vacation and so forth, but I know that you do other things as well. You, you posted recently that you were with your wife um, at a gymna- women's gymnastics game. Um, you posted your playlist on Instagram recently. So what are some things that you want people to know about you that they may not know about you as sort of in your chancellor role? You know, I, you hit on some of it. I, I, I think people see that title and they have certain con- preconceived notions about what the person is going to be like. So I like to show that I'm just a normal person. And, um, you know, you mentioned uh, my wife. And uh, I remember one particular week a while back when I had, had a pretty in- good week, I had talked to one of our Nobel laureates. And I had had an interview with the New York Times. And I was feeling feeling myself. And my wife <laughs> said, um, you know, it's, you got to do laundry today, dude. So <laughs> it brings you right back. <laughs> <laughs> to, to normal, uh, back to the ground. So, and she's good at that. My kids are good at that too. Um, the other thing I'll just mention quickly is I want everyone to know how much I care about people here. Mm-hmm. I care about our faculty and our staff and our students, and um, even the ones who don't care for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I care about their li- their safety and their their livelihood and their experience here, and I really do take that to heart. Okay, great, thank you. And um, I have another question for you, um, and. Even though you're a fairly young chancellor, I, I, I would say, in, in this role. Um, and so you're probably not going to retire for many, many, many years. But um, are there certain things that you would like to see happen um, before you retire, whether it's leaving UC Davis or sort of retire from at least this phase of higher education leadership? I, I do think I'm too young to think about retiring, but <laughs> I do get this question of every now and then. And... Um, and I don't have a specific list of things that I want to accomplish, but my general way of doing things is that I like to leave things better than I found them. Mm-hmm. So I want people to say, uh, UC Davis was better uh, after Gary May left his role as chancellor, uh, and that's really the goal. So, Okay. Th- those are good questions, though. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, and really, you know, just thanks for joining me. This is a, a fa- fascinating conversation. Um, you know, we're grateful for your leadership uh, in the DEI office. Uh, I hear that from many different sources. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. Thanks to everyone for listening. Tune in next time on Face to Face. Go Ags!